Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. And good morning to those online. Welcome. So glad that you are with us. If you are online, just give me a shout out. Say, I'm here or something. Wave at me in the comments. Oh, man. I love this church. I just love this church. And I'm already emotional. And I have 35 minutes. I don't know what's going to happen. I would not be standing here today. I'll just say this first. Pastor Trey and Carrie, they, they are at a leadership conference right now, and that's why I'm here, standing right here, uh, just pouring into themselves and getting to spend time with Michaela and Lawrence, having some family time. So I'm just praying that God blesses them and that they come back with a vision, a fresh vision, and just a new level uh, for this church and for themselves personally. So I'm just thankful for that time for them. Um, I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for Pastor Trey and Carrie. They are so great at seeing potential and purpose in people and pulling it out before they even realize it. Five years ago, I would have said, I would never ever speak on a stage like this. No way. I'm glued to my guitar. That's just, that's who I am. But they create a culture of encouragement. And they create a culture of purpose. And it's trickled down. Even today, I had two people, Pedro and I'm wanting to call you Lawrence. Oh my gosh. Leander. That encouraged me today. And that's because they've created a culture of encouragement. They've created a culture of planting seeds and seeing potential and purpose. So let's just give it up real quick for Pastor Trey and Carrie in this church. It's so awesome. We are in a series, Rise and Build, talking about the story of Nehemiah, and the scripture that I want to share with you today is in Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18. This is the New King James Version. It says, then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. The title of my sermon today is Dreaming Beyond Destruction. Father, I thank you that you're already here. We've already had church. Thank you so much for that worship, that moment. God, I ask that you would help me articulate your heart today. Help me to speak in a way that plants seeds in hearts, God, that grows and grows and grows. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. So my, my daughter, Brooklyn, she is almost 11 now. Um, she's almost taller than me. And she will be in a few years, I, I guarantee it. But she, she really loves to, like, I mean, she loves all kinds of things. She's interested in one thing, and then five minutes later, I mean, you can, I mean, you can tell me, yeah. So a few years ago, she was interested in these geode rocks, right? Anyone know what those are? Where you can break it open, and it, it's like a beautiful crystal inside. And so she opened up half of them and uh, set it aside because she was interested in something else. And she wanted to open up the other half, right? But the 
kit comes with the hammer, and this time, because we have four kids, they, it just was lost. You cannot find anything when you have four kids. Anybody that has one kid knows it gets lost. It just gets lost. So she goes to me, the dad, the man of the house, and she says, hey, dad, I need some tools to open up these, these rocks. And I said, what are tools? Because I got to tell you, I have come to accept that I am the maid and my wife is the handyman. That is it. It takes her five minutes to fix a doorknob. It takes me five hours to find, to open the package of the doorknob thing. And when I put it on, I put it on backwards. Dad, where are your tools? I don't know. That's mom. So she goes in the pantry where do you put tools? I, we have our tools. It's like a grocery bag with some pliers and stuff like that. And so she, she grabs these pliers. They're about this big, right? Just little pliers. And she's like, okay, this is what I have. I'm going to use this. So she starts banging at the rocks, banging at the rocks on our bed. I don't know if that's the best place, but on our bed, she's banging on the rocks. And I can see her kind of getting discouraged, like nothing's happening. I'm like, let me try real quick. And so I grab the pliers and I start whacking at the rocks, whacking, whacking with my little tiny tool. I'm whacking, I'm whacking. And all of a sudden you see these, these chips of the rock start flying away and it starts to break open and you see the crystal. And I saw Brooklyn's eyes explode like they were getting so wide because she saw what was possible. And I had a lot of confidence that I could use these little pliers to open those little rocks. I had confidence, but Brooklyn didn't know. She couldn't see what was possible, but I could. So I decided I'm going to show her what's possible. At its core, dreaming is seeing beyond where you're currently at. It's vision. But it's hard to see when you're in the middle of the ashes, right? But I will say vision is so vital for us. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And this word perish, I looked it up and it's, it means to loosen. We lose our grip on life if we do not have vision. Like this is a big deal. We got to have vision. And so I started thinking like about the Israelites, right? Before Nehemiah came, what were they feeling? What were they, I mean, because they could have built the wall. They could have started, right? But they didn't start until he came and casted the vision. And so I'm thinking, it's one thing to build, but it's another thing to rebuild something. I just started thinking like, I mean, okay, so you tell me what sounds more exciting. If I come up to you, we're on the beach, and I'm like, hey, Let's go build a sandcastle. Or I say, hey, let's go rebuild that sandcastle after you took 15 hours to make it. Does that, no, it's just, it has a different ring to it. And so I started thinking about the, the prefix. I had to look up what prefix meant. I don't even know. Re, the re prefix. And I started thinking about all these words that have the re prefix. They're not fun. Let's, let's see. I'll tell you this, the word, or the, the word, the prefix re, it means back or again. So let's look at some prefixes here with the re. Return. Anyone like to return things? Isn't that fun? Yeah. Rebuild. Reiterate. Retell. Recall. 
let's readjust that just a little bit, just a little bit. Rebuy, recalculate. Can you recalculate that for me? No, I can't. Reassemble. Lord help us. Reassemble. I don't like to assemble. Reassemble. Okay, here's one. Reheat. You f- okay, you tell me what food is better when it's reheated. You let me know. Spaghetti? Who said that? Okay. I'm, I've tried it and it doesn't work. Okay. A little bit of water. If you're online, did you hear that? I'll add a little bit of water to the spaghetti when you reheat it. And it'll be just, just as, is it better than the first time? All right, all right. But to go back and do something again, to rebuild, that requires something different of you. It requires something different. And something else that I noticed, actually in chapter one of Nehemiah, when he finds out, Nehemiah's like, hey, how are the Israelites doing? And it says that they were in distress and in reproach. And the same thing is here in that scripture that we just read. Let's build the wall so that we no longer may be in a reproach or a reproach. And I looked up the word reproach. It means disgrace. And the word disgrace, the definition is root of shame. How many know that something, sometimes the thing that is holding us back from dreaming again is our shame, is our guilt, is our pride, is our fear. It's not an external prison. It's an internal prison. And it's blocking our vision. It's blocking us from being able to dream and see again. That's awesome, Greg. Now what? (laughs) So how do you stir the dream when you're in a desolate place, lying in ruins and ashes? When what you've known, what's familiar is no longer familiar. You are literally in unfamiliar and uncomfortable. How do you dream again? How do you begin to see what the Lord is revealing? Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you can barely pay rent and you're just every month, let me, let me see if I can collect enough to get it paid. Maybe you've lost someone because of COVID. Maybe you are living with people, but you feel the furthest from the people that are closest to you in your house. How do you begin to dream? How do you begin to see again? I want to tell you that it is possible. It is so possible because our father is the dream giver. He is the author of every good dream. He is the director, the producer, the writer, the editor, the supervising editor, the designer of your story, and it is not over. He is not done with you yet. I want to get into some things on how we can start seeing again. You guys ready for that? All right. Here we go. Buckle your seatbelts. Dreaming beyond destruction requires that we saturate. If you can do this for me, say saturate with your head. If you don't shake your head, you're not doing it right. Saturate. If you're online, I want you to do it like that. Saturate. And put it in the comments. Saturate. Maybe make a video 
Can you do a video and do, okay, never mind. That's a lot of time. Saturate. Every action or inaction, it starts with a thought. We say this a lot, like, we become what we behold. We become what we think about. So if we're going to get beyond this pile here of ashes, we need to rewire our thoughts. We need to start thinking differently. And I get it. It's easy to think about things whenever it's good. Everything's going good, so it's easy to think about good things. But what happens when you're surrounded by the bad stuff, when you're in a pile of you-know-what? How do you begin to think about good things? I think if your strategy on thinking about good things is based on your environment, it's not going to work. Because when things get bad, because the Bible says not if, but when things get bad, when it's going to happen, you have to, no, you cannot work from the outside in. You have to work from the inside out. You have to allow Holy Spirit to rewire how you think and to fix your thoughts on things that he's thinking about. And so you're asking, okay, what do we think about? Look at you asking those awesome questions. Look at you go. All right, Philippians 4.8, it tells us what to think about. This is a amazing scripture right here, and I'm sure that we've heard it, but I just want to go over it real quick and kind of just dive through it. It says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. How many like the Amplified version? I love the Amplified. Greg, I know you do, man. I see those highlights. Woo, loved it. All right, so the Amplified version, it gives you these brackets, and it's like, this is what this means, and then it goes into this is what this means, and then it goes into this is what this means. It's like super involved. And so when it says think continually on these things, it says center your mind on them. It's a focus thing. Center your mind and implant them in your heart. It has got to become a habit. Continually think on these things. It has to become a habit. If it's not a habit, it's not going to work. It's got to become a habit. And this scripture is a beautiful filter to help us direct our thoughts. And I want to ask you some questions. Are the thoughts that you're thinking right now, are they true? I cannot tell you how many times that I've not stopped to think, is this even true? Because I'll begin to create a whole world based on a thought that's not even true. Is it true? It starts with that. Whatever is true, another one I like is, is it confirmed by God's word? That is a question that we should be asking ourselves every single day. Is this thought confirmed by his word? Where can I find it? Where can I find what he's talking about, what I'm thinking about right now? Are they wholesome? Do the thoughts that you're thinking about, do they bring you peace? If not, if no, then they are not for you. Those thoughts are not for you. This goes back to a focusing, sent to your mind. It's a focus issue. What we choose to focus on, we will see more of. How many know? 
We've all experienced it. We go to buy a car. We look at the model. We know exactly what color we want. We start researching and we find all the reviews on it, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then all of a sudden we see the car everywhere. It's always been there. It has always been there. But you are focusing on that car. And so you will see what you focus on. Our focus will go to the loudest voice. I, oh, man. So we have Awaken at 6.30 on Wednesdays, and it's where we go deep, we go in the word, and we go deep with prayer, and it's really awesome. And usually I'm, I'm back there, and I'm running sound, which means I'm turning up the music and turning down the music, because we have music whenever we pray, right? And so on the board back there, if you're not familiar with the soundboard, you have one master volume, and then you have all these individual channels to control like a microphone or a guitar or the drums, like you have all these individual channels that you can turn up and down, and it comes through the speakers here. And so I was running sound, and, and usually Pastor Trey does not use a mic. It's a more intimate setting, and we're just, it's just, that's just the way that we've been doing it. But one time he decided, I'm gonna use a mic, right? And I'm like, I got this. I've run sound before, I can do this, right? So he's get his, he got his mic and he's ready to talk, and I got the music going, and I start turning the music down, and all of a sudden, his voice is, I can't hear him. And I'm like, uh, I have no signal. I'm trying to blame it on him. Did you turn off your mic? I don't have any signal. And, oh my gosh, Chris Bro, bless him. He came up to the sound booth, and he's the guy who actually knows what he's doing. You know, He came up to the sound booth, and he's like, uh, dude, can't do that. And he pointed to the master volume. I had turned the master volume all the way down, turning everybody down, including the music, including Pastor Trey's mic, because I know how to run sound. That's just what I do. I run sound. So some of us are saying, God, I can't hear you, not because he's not speaking, but because you've turned the master volume down. Sometimes our solution is just to shut every voice out, but in the process, we shut out the voice of Holy Spirit. And the voice of Holy Spirit is what leads you to life. Another thing that we can do when we're trying to dream beyond destruction is to serve. What do you mean, Greg, serve? I mean, help others achieve their dreams. And you're asking me, like, how does helping others achieve their dreams help me to see, even just begin to see the dreams that God is putting on my heart? It seems a little backwards, right? We always say it's backwards because God's, God's culture, his economy that he has is actually the right way. We've got it backwards here on earth. The sin nature is selfish. It is selfish. But Jesus, I love this. He says it in Luke 9.24. This is the way he describes it. He says, self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Building the wall was Nehemiah's vision this whole time, right? I mean, the Israelites, they caught the vision, but it was his vision. It was his dream in the first place. And sometimes we're actually going to catch a dream of our own when we help somebody else with their dream. I like this in, in the Amplified Version in Nehemiah 2.18, it says, Then they said, Let us rise up and build. So they thoroughly supported 
the good work. And then the other version we read is they set their hands to the good work. The Israelites caught the vision and set their hands to the good work. And this was the stepping stone to something greater, a city rebuilt where dreams could start to come alive, families could thrive, and businesses could grow. This was a platform for others to dream again. I actually happened to catch this beautiful moment of Kinsey and Brooklyn. Brooklyn, again, with her interests. All right, here we go. So we have Brooklyn, who is interested and loves her fingerless gloves. She has these fingerless gloves right here, and she is wearing them all the time with every single outfit, whether it matches or it doesn't match. I don't know how or why she was interested in the fingerless gloves. I can only blame one thing, and that's YouTube. But she decided she wanted these fingerless gloves. And so one day she couldn't find the fingerless gloves. So she comes into my room, and I'm working, and she says, Hey, Dad, have you seen my fingerless gloves? And I'm like, No, I haven't seen them. And so she walks out. Five minutes later, she comes back. Do you know where my fingerless gloves are? Nope, still haven't seen them. Um, And so she starts looking around the house, lifting up furniture, couch cushions. She's upstairs. She's downstairs in the garage, everywhere. And she's getting frustrated, right? She's getting frustrated. And Kenzie is seeing this happen. And she walks up to, to Brooklyn. Kenzie's my middle daughter. And she says to Brooklyn, she puts her hands on her shoulder, Brooklyn, don't worry. We're going to find your fingerless gloves. And so she takes Brooklyn into the living room, drags her in there. She sits her down on the couch. She gets this chalkboard that she has from the classroom, and she, she loves to draw. So she asks Brooklyn, hey, so what do you remember about these gloves? And so Brooklyn's like, well, I, I did put them here, and I, I had them here, and I wore them here. And as she is talking, Kenzie is drawing pictures of what she's talking about so that they can figure out where the gloves are. And as I start to, like, I come out of the room and I'm looking at this happening right now. It's like one of those CSI movies where they're like, you know, all these thoughts and theories and all these investigation. And that's what it looked like in my living room. And so they came up with three places, three places. One of them was, I think, I think it was under the couch. I don't remember the second one was. And the third one was under the recliner that I was sitting in. You know where this is going, don't you? So they look under the first place, and it wasn't there. They look under the second place, and it wasn't there. They go to the recliner. And I'm like, it's not under me. It's not under this recliner. And I lift up the recliner, and then they were there. But I didn't, I didn't, I did not know. That's the last place that I would have looked. But Kenzie, she, I saw her after this. Like, she started jumping up and down and saying, I feel so smart. I want to solve another problem. And if I'm not careful, I can just say, that's cute. And it was cute. It was cute. But this is also God opening a door to a desire of hers that she did. Okay, she did not set out to help Brooklyn because she knew that she loved to solve problems. And this is where I'm getting at. When you think that you can serve somebody, you're like, how's that going to work? How am I going to serve somebody? And that helps me. But it does work whenever you serve somebody. And Kenzie had compassion for her. She looked at her and she saw Brooklyn struggling and frustrated. And she's like, I got to help. I don't know how I'm going to help. I know how to draw. I can do that. So I'm going to take what I have and I'm going to help Brooklyn. And in the meantime, God is going to put a desire in my heart to actually solve more problems for more people. That's what serving is all about right there. 
So my question, and my question is, who in your life can you serve today? Who can you help find their fingerless gloves? I don't know if you know anybody that has lost fingerless gloves, but if you do, how can you help them? I, I got to tell you, you have a gift. You have gifts and abilities, and you can help people, and you're going to find this vision that you thought, the plan that you thought, I'm going to use these talents and these abilities to do this thing, and God's going to be like, nope, we're going to widen that way more. I'm going to expand it for you and show you things that you've never even thought of whenever you serve people. And the last thing that we can do to see beyond the destruction is to surround. Surround yourself with who, Greg? Dreamers. And I'm not talking about Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, the visionaries of, you know. What I'm defining as a dreamer is somebody that simply can see beyond where you're currently at. Surround yourself with people that can see for you whenever you can't see. This happened with the Israelites. They were in the middle of the ashes where the gates were burned down. The walls were torn down and they could not see. There is a great quote from Andy Stanley. It says, time in erodes awareness of, which means that the more that you're in something, the less you become aware of what's actually happening. They were in it for so long. They were just in the middle of it that they could not see. And Nehemiah had a different vantage point. He had a different perspective. And he saw something for them that they could not see. And he shared it with them. And it's like, all right, let's do this. Let's rise and build. Let's rise and build. There are going to be times whenever you can't see past your nose. Surround yourself with those that can see. Have you ever had a, a dream like since you were a kid that you still think about today? Yeah? We got one. <laughs> yeah, two. All right. There are, there are people out here. I know. Online, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, you've been thinking about something, dreaming. God's put something in your heart, and you're like, I'm still thinking about this today. So Amber, she had a dream as a kid to be a mom, to be a mom. And this was when she was super little, like she would pretend that she was pregnant and had baby dolls and all this stuff. And when, when we got married, this is actually pretty cool. When we got married, um, she, she wanted to name her first kid. This is before she knew me, but she wanted to name her first kid Grayson, Grayson. And we later found out that the word Grayson, the word, the name Grayson, it means son of Gregory. Like, God is so good. He's so cool. Uh, but we, we decided a few years after, you know, that we got married that we were ready. No, we weren't ready. That's, we were, I don't know what the word is. We were, we were ready to see what happens, you know, with trying to raise a kid. And, uh, and she got pregnant. We were so excited. And because Amber is a planner, we went to Babies R Us 56 times a day. And we didn't know what the sex of the baby was. So we looked at both girl and boy outfits for hours and hours and hours, planning the room, planning all this stuff. And because it was a seed planted a long time ago in her heart to be a mom. And she, Amber, went to a, a checkup with a doctor, 
and uh, she was seven weeks pregnant at the time, and the doctor could not find a heartbeat. The week before, we, we, we had a heartbeat, or maybe it was two weeks before there was a heartbeat. And I think at that point, because it's so early, it's like a flicker, a flicker. It's not an audible thing. It's a flicker that you see the heartbeat. But the doctor said that she was seven weeks pregnant, but the baby's growth was only to six weeks. And there was no heartbeat. And I thought, this can't be right. Why would you give a dream and have her go through something like that? Why would you do that? Why would you do that, God? But I specifically remember we weren't going to settle for just that answer. We wanted a second opinion. And we went to the Agape Center in Round Rock. And, uh, and Sherry met us there, and, and Mom was with us. But I specifically remember the light that Sherry brought when we couldn't see. I remember it doesn't even like, she didn't have any like specific words, but she was there and she spoke life over us when we couldn't see. And later we did confirm that there was no heartbeat, but then Brooklyn came along and that's a whole nother story. But Brooklyn came along and we had people like Sherry who were surrounding us with prayer surrounding us with words of life. Listen, when, when you cannot see because of past experiences like that, you need to have people that have a different view and that can see for you. You have to. God can help you, absolutely. But this is one of the ways that he does help you. It's with people seeing for you. I'm confident that God is not done with you yet. I'm 1,000% confident that God is not done with you yet. And if we follow the saturate, the serve, and the surround, we're going to start seeing kingdom dreams come alive in our heart. We're going to start seeing things that we've never seen before, and we're going to start seeing things that we've had in our hearts for a long time. But because of things like COVID we put on the shelf, it's time to take those things off the shelf. If you are here today and you are ready to start seeing, to start dreaming again, I want you to be bold and I want you to stand up because I want to pray for you. And if you're online and you're ready to start seeing and dreaming again, you can just type in the word dream in the comments. If that's you, if you are being surrounded by the ashes and you're done, you're like, I know that God has more. I know that God has something more for me and I want to see again. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. For the seeds that are planted, 
They've been planted for a long time. You are the dream giver, God. You are the ultimate dream giver, God. And when we can't see, we're going to rely on you. We're going to saturate our thoughts with things that you think about, God. We're going to serve other people well, God, and start seeing things that that you've had for us all along, God. And we're going to surround ourselves with people that can see for us. God, I thank you that dreams are being deposited that are new and fresh. I thank you that dreams are being deposited that are kingdom dreams straight from the heart of God. We thank you so much for what you're doing in this place, for the dreams that are going to take place. This is a house of dreams. This is a house where dreams are going to be born and they're going to be sought after and pursued because we believe that you're going to use these dreams to reach more people. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.